What is up, football fans? Welcome back to another episode of the NFL Whip Round. I am Jeff Hartman, joined by Coach KT Smith. What's up, Coach? How's it going? Uh, I'm good, Jeff. I'm, I'm wearing all black right now because I'm mourning the Ravens' loss. <laughs> not not ah, true at all, Jeff. I not know true. you're lying there. <laughs> <laughs> That's not not true. But but you're yeah, man, your some, some interesting interesting football over the weekend for sure. Your son is mourning the loss of the Lions. My son is mourning. My son. I mean, that was a cruel thing for the Lions to do to take that twenty four seven lead when you're eleven years old. Twenty four seven might as well be eighty to nothing. He was convinced Brutal. that that thing was done, and then have, to have the rug pulled out from under you like that was rough. Yeah, let's let's start off with that game. That is what everyone's talking about. The NFC Championship game. It's it was the second on the docket, and it had the most controversy and in terms of decision-making, and this is what we wanted to start the show with, Dan Campbell's decision-making. The second half, holy cow. I'm going to get this out of the way right away. You and I have talked about Dan Campbell and his aggressive nature all year, all year. So I know you weren't shocked. I wasn't shocked that he went for it. But situationally, I mean, gosh, how do you do that in that situation? Like, Coach, you are a coach, so I'm I'm going to definitely leave it to you here. How in the hell can anyone justify the opportunity in the second half, seven minutes, I believe, in the third quarter, not going up by 17 points and going for it? Right. So you're right. No, Nobody should be surprised at the aggressiveness because that was the MO. But I have two issues with, with what he did. One was the inconsistency in the decision-making. So at the end of the first half, they've got the ball on the three-yard line fourth and goal on the three with about 10 seconds left and they're up 14 and they decide to kick the field goal there to go up three scores, which I thought was the right move. But now you find yourself eight minutes gone in the third quarter in the exact same situation, right? Where you're, where it's now fourth and two from the 30, uh, it was actually the 28. So you've got a 45 yard field goal attempt, which is a very makeable attempt. Uh, his kicker hadn't missed from between 40 to 49 all year. And and now you go for it. Like, why why is going up by three scores the first time the move and not trying to go up by three scores the second time the move? I couldn't understand the inconsistency of those decisions. I couldn't I could not listen to anyone that tried to justify him going for it at any at any platform whether it was here on Fans First Sports Network, ESPN, NFL Radio, whatever, if someone was trying to justify him going for it, I, I couldn't buy into what they're selling. I just can't. I cannot, as a guy that knows basic mathematics, time left, overall score, I, I, I can't. I know he's aggressive, and that's been their MO all year. And I'm sure the players are like, hey, the coach wanted to go for it. The execution was what was bad. And, and hey, let me ask you this. Let's talk about that third down, go for it on for the first decision. Do you like the play call in that situation? Well, well, if you go, if you back up a play, they had third and four. Yeah. And they ran the ball, which tells me they were going for it on fourth down, you know, no matter right. what. Like that. Otherwise, that's that's a horrible third down play call because they didn't run anything creative. They just ran inside zone and got, got two yards, which to me says, hey, I'm setting up fourth down. Uh, I mean, you know, you can second guess the play call all you want in that situation. I mean, Jared Goff had his receiver open. He could have thrown a better ball. The ball he did throw could have been caught. So there's not 
I mean, if he puts it right on the numbers and they catch it, then we're probably all saying like, oh, that's Dan Campbell for you. So there is the there is the execution element there that that is obviously the the problem, but I had a I guess I had a bigger issue with the second one, which is you know the the one towards the end of the game. I don't know how you don't kick the field goal to tie the game up there again. If you're talking about a 55 yarder and you don't trust your kicker, fine. But we're not talking about a 55 yarder. We're talking about a field goal of I think I think at that point it was about 46, 47, very makeable kicker again who wasn't an all-world kicker but hadn't missed from that distance all year long how do you how do you not have the situational awareness I know my, I know the mo is hey we're aggressive and we like to go for it in, the, uh, in these situations but this is the NFC championship game and if you don't tie the game there if you give the ball back to San Francisco you're probably not going to see it again because of the way that that that, that game had unfolded so so not having the situational awareness there I think was a big problem and I, I will admit hindsight's always 2020. 20. So we're able to sit back and say, you know, that first fourth down attempt that they had, well, if that doesn't spiral out of control, then what doesn't happen after? Cause that was the same San Francisco drive where a lion's defender should have had an interception and it bounces off. Was his face? I don't even off think his, it hit off his, his helmet. Head. Yeah. Yeah. Off his helmet. Brandon, IU comes down with it and ends up scoring the touchdown, I believe, on that drive. Everyone's going to second-guess everything, and I understand that, and I'm not trying to play Monday morning quarterback here, but still, you do have to wonder, all the momentum was on Detroit's side at that time, and that opened the door. And then, kudos to the 49ers, because they kicked the freaking thing down. (laughs) Well, yeah, but you're right. It it totally unraveled after that, right? Yeah. They kicked the field goal there. Now, again, anything could happen. He could miss the kick, and that could shift momentum back to San Francisco. But let's say he makes it. It's now 27-10. And the, and the 49ers are down three scores with 22 minutes to play, and Detroit still has the momentum. That's a big ask. When you don't get it there, it felt like some of the you know air came out of the balloon. Then they get the freak play, bouncing off the – you know and now the ball's down the five and they score, and then Detroit gets the ball back and they fumble right away. And, and the game is over at that point. It really was. It was it – was, I, thought, I thought both championship games – I know we'll talk about the AFC in a second, but I thought both championship games were really interesting examples of the less experienced team playing and coaching like the team that hadn't been there before. And the more experienced team, not, not exactly playing lights out football, but just sort of steady as she goes throughout the contest. And that really revealed itself in the end result. This is all about like the what ifs for me, you know, Detroit's going to be wondering what if, what if we didn't go for it on fourth down? Dan Campbell's going to have to live with that for a very long time until they get to kind of wash their hands of that in 2024. They're going to have to wonder what if Reynolds could catch a football once <laughs> at all at a crucial moment or a number of wide receivers drop catchable passes for Detroit. But I don't want to spend so much time berating the Lions and not giving credit to the 49ers who did not play a good first half and then took advantage and started to kind of look like the 49ers team we had seen previously. Coach, were you impressed with San Francisco? I was. I, I San Francisco has not played a complete game yet. They've played two young, inexperienced playoff teams who outplayed them for much of the contest and yet found ways to lose. And the 49ers survived both of those games, which 
it, to me, it's a sign of one of two things. Either San Francisco is just not playing great football right now and, and they haven't come up yet against an experienced playoff team that can make them pay for that, or they're destined to put it together in the Super Bowl and play lights out. And I don't know which one to bet on just yet. I'm not, I haven't thought about it enough. But I thought that, yes, I thought that when 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 Detroit kind of opened the door for them, they did what good teams did, and they took advantage of it. But can they survive that way against Kansas City? Yeah, I was impressed with Brock Purdy. I thought he actually manipulated the pocket extremely well, used his mobility, which I didn't think that was a part of his game. Yeah, I thought he played good football. And let me ask you one last question before we go to the AFC championship game. As a coach, if you were Dan Campbell – and you did take that risk and you you see things are unraveling. What do you do as a coach to try and get things back in, in, in check? Because we've all been there. Anyone that's coached high school or up, you've had those games where it's close, you're in it, and then you can feel momentum shifting. You can feel the game maybe getting out of reach. What are you going to do as a coach? What are you trying anything to try and regain some of that? At my level, I would call timeout and, and, and get everybody together to regroup because with the kids that I coach, that often is effective. It, that that they get the big eyes, I like to call it. The big eyes are like when you get that look in your face, like what's happening? It's all unraveling, and they got they kind of go into a shell. And if you can sort of call timeout, get everybody take a deep breath, get them refocused, whatever your little like coaching points are. I mean, we we have these three things we talk we tell our kids all the time, and one of them is next play, and I just to have a next play mentality. And I would reiterate that message. Let's have let's have that next play mentality. Let's not worry about what just happened, right? We're gonna worry one. We're gonna go one play at a time, et cetera. In the NFL, you have so many TV timeouts and so many opportunities. I think to talk to your guys that I'm not sure what Campbell's move really could have or should have been in that situation. I really would have liked to have seen them stay a little more aggressive offensively. I thought they got kind of conservative when when everything started to unravel and just and just sort of they get into that MO of like, we're going to run the ball on first down. And and now all of a sudden you're facing second and long and got San Francisco into situations they were comfortable in. So, you know, maybe a, a note to his offense coordinator, like, Hey man, do the things you did in the first half, right? Let's not change our game plan going forward here. Let's, let's keep the pedal to the metal. I would have liked to have seen a little bit of that from them. It's going to be a tough off season for the Detroit lions as the San Francisco 49ers punch their ticket to the Super Bowl. Let's go to the AFC championship game. It's purple rain of tears here in the state of Maryland today. I freaking love it. Uh, <laughs> hey, misery loves company. That's what I always say. Misery loves company. Another disappointing performance, not only of Lamar Jackson, but of the Baltimore Ravens. This just reeked of 2019, the number one seed, except in the 2019 playoffs, they lost to Tennessee in the divisional round. This time they get a, I think we can all agree that the Chiefs are not what they were in years past. And you get them at home and you feel like you have the team that can hang with them. And this is what you get. You get Lamar Jackson with a critical turnover at a critical time. Steeler fans know that all too well. I said that on Twitter after the game. Steeler fans have seen this Ravens team so many times. It's the reason Lamar Jackson has beaten the Steelers like once in his career. And everyone else is like, oh my gosh, this is such a shock. Steeler fans are like, yeah, this isn't really that much of a shock. I guess my question for you is out of the gate is the Lamar was the Lamar Jackson interception worse or the Zay flowers fumble into the end zone. Oh, the interception was way worse, way worse. <laughs> yeah, Cause the Zay flowers thing, 
you you've seen guys try to make that play yeah. many many times and succeed in in doing so. I think that was more of like an instinctive thing where he's like. I, you know, I'm, I'm doing everything I can to get into the end zone here. And that was a phenomenal play by, I can't remember what, what Chiefs DB knocked it out. I think it was Sneed, right? It was uh, Sneed. Yeah. Jarius Sneed. Yeah. I mean, he, the, the hand eye coordination to punch that ball out was phenomenal. The Lamar Jackson, he threw into triple coverage and there wasn't, there wasn't a prayer that that ball, you, I don't care. You you can take the make the greatest throw in the history of the NFL. You are not fitting that in. Ben Roethlisberger's throw to San Antonio Holmes to, to win that Super Bowl yeah. in the back corner of the end zone over three Arizona defenders was an easier throw than what Lamar Jackson was trying to make. And that just I don't know what he was seeing. I don't know what he was thinking. So yeah, that's that's a tough one, man, right there. I mean, as can you imagine as a Steeler fan if, if your quarterback throws that interception? There's there's TV remotes being smashed all over Steeler Nation. <laughs> no, absolutely. Now everyone, the, the reaction after this game, and I've I've heard it because I live in this flipping state, is which I love by the way. I just hate the Ravens. Is that Lamar can't get it done? But tell me this, Kyle Hamilton played a great game. You agree? Yes. How can anyone in the secondary say they had a great game when Travis Kelsey was targeted eleven times? And had 11 catches for over 100 yards and a touchdown. Where's this defensive mind that's now going to be the next hot head coach in the NFL? How is that successful? I know that you held them to 17 points, which is great. You know, it should be enough to win. But Travis Kelsey was like the only weapon that they still had that was a legitimate threat. And they, they, they just can't get the job done. What was your thoughts on the Chiefs and their usage of Kelsey? Also, the Ravens trying to slow him down. So I no, I haven't looked at like the all 22 or anything like that, where it gets you a better feel for what a team's trying to do on both sides of the ball. But my instinct was that the Chiefs were doing a nice job of moving Kelsey around the formation. It felt like he was lining up in a different spot uh, almost, almost every snap. And that was forcing Baltimore to communicate and switch and make a lot of changes. And I just think, you know, whatever Andy Reid saw uh, on film that he felt, uh, it could provide him a matchup that that he liked that he could take advantage of. They were able to do that. And then there were just there were a couple examples like on Kelsey's touchdown where I mean Hamilton was draped all over him. That was great coverage. And Mahomes just put that ball in a perfect spot, you know, low in a way where only Kelsey was going to be able to get it. So there were times when even when Baltimore did have it defensed really well, where uh, the Chiefs were just too good. You know, again, Mahomes wasn't like lights out spectacular the way he, he's he been in his past. But when they needed to make plays, Kansas City made them and Baltimore didn't. And that's usually the difference in big games like this. Yeah. And and it's the Ravens. It, it I, I always say, and people always say, oh, you're just a Steelers fan. They're choke artists. They are choke artists. They, they've, they, it, Lamar Jackson seems to clam up when it, the, the, when the lights are brightest and in the biggest games. And that's why the Steelers fans, because that, those are big football games every year. It just, he just doesn't seem to perform well. Do you think that that's an indictment on Lamar? And do you think he could ever get over that? Yeah. Uh, I think as I was watching that game yesterday, it's the first time I thought, I don't know if this guy can get the Ravens to the Super Bowl because it was a repeat of those earlier losses like you like you talked about the body language I really didn't like his body language 
yesterday. The front, the, you, as the, it's fine to be emotional. There's lots of emotional quarterbacks, right? You, you've seen Tom Brady have his outbursts right. and, and Brett Favre and guys like that. But, but when that, when that is really a, a, a sign of the frustration at, at yourself and that you're with Jackson, it felt like this is getting away from me and I don't know what to do about it. It was, it was that type of frustration, the whole, not like I'm frustrated because the receiver ran the wrong route and I need to correct this, but more so of, of the self doubt. And that's what I wonder if it's gotten to with Lamar Jackson. He looked like a guy who was just trying to force everything, a guy who felt like I have to win this somebody who was aware of the narrative about him. The narrative is that I can't play well in a big game. I have to go out here and do this. And in a team game, when you start sort of saying like, I'm putting it on my shoulders, that can, that can be hard. So I did, I, I'm not going to say never, I, you know, he's an incredibly talented guy, but at the same time, that felt like the one and didn't get it done. You know what that game reminded me of? I, I I think you're old enough to remember this. That game reminded me very much of the 1994 AFC Championship. Yes. Steelers at home against the Chargers when it felt like, oh, this is this is finally it for us after years of of struggling, and it wasn't. That that's a great segue because the next topic we want to say is of this weekend's losers, Detroit and Baltimore. Which team are we most likely to see back in the championship game next season? I say that because in 1994, the Steelers lost to Stan Humphreys and the Chargers, who eventually went on to lose to the 49ers in the Super Bowl. That was Super Bowl 29, but they made it to the Super Bowl in Super Bowl 30 in 1995. So could this be a Baltimore Ravens team that bounces back and gets to the big dance next year? Uh, I struggle to see that. Just because the AFC is really good, yeah. uh, I think that there's a lot of talent, obviously, in the AFC. The young quarterbacks that are there, there's a decent chance that the Ravens will lose Mike McDonald to, to one of those openings. He seems to be high on Seattle's radar. Um, he'd be a good fit in Tennessee. You know, is John Harbaugh? I mean, I, I John Harbaugh's won the Mike Tomlin gets a bunch of you know crap from Steelers fans for not having won playoff games. I mean, John Harbaugh has won the same amount of playoff games as Mike Tomlin has going back to 2008, you know, so he hasn't exactly lit it on fire in the postseason. They had, they had a great run there with Flacco. Uh, but I mean, there, there's just been, there's just been a, a stumbling block for them in the postseason as well. And I question, you know, whether or not w- will they be able to get it right with Jackson? I, I don't know. I don't, I don't, I think Detroit, with all the youth that they have and with, you know, the, 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 they feel like a team that is, that's on the rise, not that the Ravens aren't, but, but the Detroit feels like a team that's best football days are in front of them. And this Ravens team felt like they when are they going to get back the scenario that they just had a scenario where they were the best team in the AFC. They had it at home. They had the chiefs on the ropes. It just feels like, now maybe they'll maybe they'll, against all odds they'll be able to do it, but it feels like the deck is going to be stacked stacked harder against them going forward. Yeah, because even when you think about like Joe Burrow didn't play really this season, and Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs are they going to be is is it is it going to be down for them another year in a down year where they go to the flipping Super Bowl, and then you look at Detroit in an NFC which a lot of people might say is is still wide open, but. Green Bay is in that same division. You would think Minnesota will be better. 
Uh, Chicago has a lot of hope and promise with the fact that they're loaded with draft picks and they've got a couple good young pieces in place. What about Detroit? What do you think? I think Detroit is, is a team uh, that will probably, if I, you know, you look at like Dan Campbell's personality, he'll take ownership of that loss. That'll be sort of a, you know, like fuel to the fire type thing. I think they're a, ty- a team that can use this loss to build on probably because people didn't expect them to get to the NFC championship game in the first place. Uh, I don't know. I think the big question mark in, in Detroit is Jared Goff. I mean, because there are some of the questions about him that there are about Jackson. Now Goff's been to a Super Bowl before, but at the, but yeah, he didn't play great in that game. And some people question whether or not he's a big game guy. Uh, I like Jared Goff a little bit more than most people do in that offense, but I think they've got some really talented young pieces. They, the Jameer Gibbs, kid is is a special man he's a special player he's electric with the ball in his hands Jameson Williams is a, a receiver that can score anytime that he touches the ball I'm on Ross St. Brown tons of talent there the, the tight end Laporta I mean they've got some weapons on offense and they've got maybe the you know one of the uh, top three offensive line in the NFL uh, if they can address some issues on defense in the secondary I just I just see them as being a team that's not going to drop off at all yeah I- I'll give it to Detroit. If there's a team that does it, I think it's Detroit. I don't know, and I'll ask you this question, because I talked about this on Monday on the Fans First Football Show. I've been tough on Jared Goff. You know this. I've said I'm not a believer. I don't think he's that guy. I I still don't think he's that guy, but he did prove something in the NFC Championship game. I didn't think they lost because of him. Do you still think he could be that guy, though, for Detroit, or do you think they need to start looking – at the quarterback position and where they're going to go. I think he can be that guy. Uh, if, if his receivers had held on to a couple balls, if, if sure. Campbell had maybe made some different decisions, we could very easily be talking about Jared Goff going to his second Super Bowl. True. And I mean, that would be like how many quarterbacks have, have gone to two Super Bowls? I don't know the number off the top of my head, but it's not a lot. Yeah. So that would be, I mean, the, the fact that he's been there before, the fact that he got that close, he's still not that old. It feels like Jared Goff's been in the league forever, but he he's, I don't believe, he's not even 30 yet. So hmm. I think that, you know, Jared, Jared Goff's still got some really good football ahead of him. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So next week's show, I mean, we're going to be talking about Super Bowl to the max, but at, at, yeah, probably the next two shows. But still, what are your initial thoughts on the Chiefs versus 49ers? matchup in the super bowl well first of all i think it's the dream matchup for the nfl of course i don't think they could have gotten you have san francisco <laughs> with the huge their huge fan base a storied yeah. franchise you have kansas city which is you know the fourth super bowl in five years budding dynasty you know don't what i'm gonna say, say next they gotta pay. say it yeah they pay. right they, they love they love it they how could you not love it the biggest yeah. pop superstar in the world now bringing her whole thing and fan base and all of that to the Super Bowl in Las Vegas. I just you couldn't set it up any better from the NFL's perspective. Only if she was performing at halftime would it be oh better. Right. <laughs> Who knows? Usher's <laughs> performing. You can never know. Taylor might be on stage with Usher. Who knows, man? You never know. I I, I do think that this is the match that the NFL was that the NFL once for my tinfoil hat crew out there. <laughs> as it pertains to getting the the, the best matchup. I, I think there's a lot of people that, you know, the, the books 
that started out with the 49ers. I think they were given like two and a half. It's already down to one. And we'll talk yeah. about this on Pez's picks, but I think this is a pretty even matchup. Both of these teams have flaws. Both of these teams are capable, but can they put it all together? I'm excited. I am excited for this one. Uh, people, Steeler fans will say, well, I don't want the 49ers to win. Uh, who cares? I, I don't care. Like, it, I want to see a good game. I want to see a game that's not riddled with officiating blunders, which, by the way, people in Maryland are complaining about that, saying that all the personal fouls and roughing the passer calls on Patrick Mahomes. They said, we can't be Patrick Mahomes and the refs. Folks, like, I, I didn't see one that I had a question with. Did you? No. What what wasn't a penalty? What wasn't a penalty? When he got I mean, clotheslined, the, the one, I guess. <laughs> I mean, the one Mahomes gets clubbed in the head. Clearly, the 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 Jadavion Clowney play is a clear helmet to helmet oh, shot. Yeah. I just I don't know what I don't know what one of those wasn't a penalty. They got baited into penalties. That was what it was. Yes. Travis Kelsey knew exactly what buttons to push. Exactly throwing Justin Tucker's crap before the game started. And he knew it. He knew what he was doing. These guys, like you said at the beginning of the show, seasoned veteran team, they knew how to get the job done on the road, get them out of their comfort zone. That's part of the game. Have you ever yeah. coached your team up to do that, to push their buttons and draw some flags? No, I just, I'm not, I don't, you know, I got too many other things to worry about. <laughs> you know? I'm worried about blocking and tackling, man. You know, like I just I get it. But but yes, I I get that element of it. We play we play teams that are very much into the head games and the mind games and those types of things. But you know, I just try to keep our guys focused on what I think is most important. Not the not the cheerleaders on the sideline in high school. That's what you got to worry about. <laughs> <laughs> not, right. not wrong. Exactly. All right, let's go to uh, off the field news. Uh, this is a, we're switching up a little change change gears here. A lot of head coaches are being hired now. You have Jim Harbaugh in LA with the Chargers. Dave Canales landed in Carolina. I don't know if I said that correctly, by the way. Uh, Raheem Morris in Atlanta. And Brian Callahan was hired in Tennessee. Brian Callahan, offensive coordinator of the Cincinnati Bengals. Which of these jump out to you, both good or bad? Yeah. I'm really interested in, in the Raheem Morris signing in Atlanta. He's bringing Zach Robinson with him from Los Angeles to be his offensive coordinator. Those guys had some, you know, a decent amount of success in LA with the Rams. Morris is one of those guys who, when you listen to people around the league, talk about him, it, it, it brings up a Mike Tomlin vibe. Nobody has anything negative to say. All the players rave about him and, and talk about how much they uh, benefited from playing for him. It feels as though Arthur Blank, the, the owner of the Falcons, kind of acknowledges that maybe he made a mistake when he let uh, Morris go when he was the interim coach there a few years back and hired Arthur Smith instead. Maybe, you know, now just sort of saying, hey, I should have I should have done this the first time around. Uh, I think Atlanta's a pretty good team. I, I think that they were a team that underachieved this past year. I don't know how well Arthur Smith used some of the tools there, specifically B. John Robinson. And you, you bring in a guy like Zach Robinson – who uh, is a McVeigh disciple and really understands how to, you know, get all of his weapons involved offensively. And you couple that with Raheem Morris, who's a really respected defensive mind. And in a weak division there in the NFC South, I think Atlanta's got a chance to, to have a pretty good season next year. Yeah. Two stick out to me. I mean, everyone thinks Jim Harbaugh just walks on water. I mean, 
I get it. The dude's been to a Super Bowl in the NFL. He just won a national title with the Michigan. It was, oh, everything this guy touches turns to gold. But we'll see. Chargers are going to charge her. I don't care who the head coach is. Like, that just is the – it's it's in the air out there. It's the water they drink. I don't know. But I, I, that's in and of itself. To me, I want to know the details of the Carolina job. Because hmm. we've talked about this before. Who would want that job? Right. That's got to be – you know, he's a guy that probably was not in consideration for a lot of these jobs. He gets a shot. We had said this earlier in a couple weeks ago. They might have to get a guy who's just an up and comer. Just give me a shot and let's see what I can do. He seems to fit the bill, but man, I wouldn't want to coach for that owner. Would you? No. And I think you're right. And you wonder like, did how many, how many concessions did he make? What was he, he? He's a guy who can't go in there making demands. That 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 seems in part also why, for example, Atlanta chose not to hire Belichick, who had two interviews with the Falcons, and it kind of looked like that was going to be a done deal. And it just felt like Belichick wanted a little too much control, and Atlanta thought, you know, how long is he going to be here? They didn't want to really re, restructure the entire organization if Belichick was going to be one and done or two years at the max. Uh, and so, you know, you look at like at Canales in, in, in Carolina and he's pretty much going to be at the behest of ownership. They're going to be able to basically say, here are the conditions and, and yeah. he, he'll accept them because, yeah, you're right. He just wants a shot. So, by the so, way, Har- Har- real quick on Harbaugh. Uh, I don't mean, want to turn, move off of that real quick. Did you catch his statement where he said that he was starstruck when he met Justin Herbert? <laughs> I was like, is this kind of <laughs> I mean, he's a Harbaugh man. All they do, all they do is blow smoke. Oh my God. Exactly, man. That is such a colossally like BS statement. Uh, I mean, I I don't know. I mean, I have such a hard time with him. I do too. But let me ask you this, which is the bigger story here? Is it, are any of the guys that we just mentioned, or is it the fact that Mike Vrabel and Bill Belichick and you want to throw in Pete Carroll are not employed, which is the bigger story for you? Interesting. Right. So I was talking to Paul Gunther about this, who I, you, you know, was yeah. a guy that helped me out this year. Paul, 22 years in the NFL, defensive coordinator for a long time. And he, and he, he took a year off because he wanted to be with his son, Duke, who was a senior on my team this year. And, and he helped us out a little bit and, and is, you know, has, has some opportunities to get back into the league. And I was just talking to him about coaching hires. And he said, one of the things that's interesting right now is that, you have all these coaching trees and, and the McVeigh Shanahan tree is the hot one. And it's spawned a lot of coaches in a lot of spots. But when you, when you get into those conversations, those guys want to surround themselves with guys who know those systems really well. They, those are specific systems and they've got their, they've got their own language. They've got their own nuances and they want to be able to bring in coaches who have experience within those particular trees and systems. And so oftentimes that might mean that that coaches from outside of that system, even if they're really experienced, even if they're really good coaches, are are not being considered because again, they're they're present they're they're they've got an, another way of doing things. And and when you and when you you get like the hot thing in the NFL, we know it's a copycat league. Everybody wants the hot thing. So it feels like uh, there, there are a lot of teams that are looking for a specific uh, thing, whatever that thing might be, because that's the trendy way of doing business right now. Yeah, 
That's a good point. That's interesting. All right, let's do our player profile to wrap up the show. Legereus Sneed is who you want to yeah. talk about. Go ahead, coach. Yeah, man. I just I you know I I picked him because I thought like all right, we look, why is Kansas City in the Super Bowl right now? It's predominantly because their defense has carried them. Again, they held Baltimore to ten points. They frustrated Lamar Jackson. But when you watch Kansas City play, the offense does enough of what it needs to do to win. But it's the defense that are making the splash plays. It's the defense that are making like the plays that really stand out. And and for me in that game on Sunday, it was Sneed's punch out uh, of the you know the would be Zay Flowers touchdown there right at the goal line. That's that was just such a gut punch for the Ravens. And it feels like Kansas City comes up with one or two of those plays defensively almost every week. That they that they are. That the, the plays that Mahomes used to make that turned football games are now being made on the defensive side of the ball, right? You, we've seen we've seen Nick Bolton make some of those plays. You see Chris Jones make some of those plays. Uh, Nat Sneed made made one of those plays the other day. Sneed's an interesting guy because he's an old school corner. He's a physical like press coverage in your face corner. Joey Porter Jr. reminds me of him a little bit, and. And like Kansas State's defense has taken on that identity. They're a physical defense. And it used to be not, not that long ago, just a couple of years ago, where you'd say, well, the, hey, the Chiefs are great on offense, but you can kind of bully them when, they, when they're on defense. They're a finesse defense. They're not that physical, et cetera. And that is not the case. There, there are a few offenses in the NFL more physical than the Ravens. And Kansas City was the, was the, the, the more physical unit uh, on Sunday. So I think Snead is a really good – uh, he's a good kind of like he, he's very representative of of how the Chiefs are being successful on defense right now. And to this day, they're still not getting the credit they deserve. The Chiefs defense. Everyone still is going to talk about Kelsey, Mahomes, and even Taylor Swift before they bring up the Chiefs defense, which has been phenomenal this year. I mean, Lamar Jackson was running for his life in that AFC Championship game, and so again, we didn't even talk about them until now. Every one of those guys deserves a lot of credit for getting them to where they are. So, Steve Spagnola, man, he he has blitzed the daylights out of both CJ Stroud and Lamar Jackson. And because of guys like Snead, they've held up on the back end. They've been able to do it. Yep, absolutely. All right, coach, final thoughts on championship weekend. Um, yeah, feel bad for my son. Just <laughs> he got a life <laughs> lesson, man. He really yeah. did. I mean, he was bummed. And that made me think back to some of the, the the games now when I was his age the Steelers were you know rattling off Super Bowl wins but right. you got a little older and you think about as a fan when you grow up as a fan how much you invest in it emotionally uh and it really it really has an effect on you uh it just it's it's crazy this thing again we talked about this a little bit last week this thing you have no control over whatsoever has such a tremendous effect upon you and I, you know, I thought, I thought, boy, he's had a great year rooting for the Lions, but that was a gut punch loss. Yes. And he, he went to bed pretty depressed. So unfortunately, you'll have more of those moments than you will the, oh my gosh, we won it all moments. Yep. And uh, unfortunately for Detroit fans, they have yet to ever taste that once. So it's going to be, it's going to be a tough offseason. <laughs> <laughs> all right, coach, what's coming up on the call sheet? Uh, yeah, obviously going to think a little bit ahead towards the Super Bowl, but the, the main thing we're going to look at is, uh, is how teams prepare for big games, right? You know, what is your, what is your preparation when, when you've got 
to handle some of the external um, circumstances that come with a big game like a Super Bowl. I, it, you know, I've been fortunate to be able to, to coach in, in seven championship games at our, at our level, well, actually six, one, one we didn't get to play because it got canceled two days beforehand with COVID, but <laughs> six, six uh, championship games. And, and the preparation, while you, while you want to say that it's the same, uh, there are some considerations that are slightly different. So how do you go about preparing for uh, the ultimate game? Yeah, I love it. Love the insight coach as always. Where can they find you on Twitter? At KT Smith FFSN. And then we got a two more one play breakdowns coming up on our YouTube channel. One from yeah. each of the conference championships. They'll be out in the next couple of days. Yes, make sure you check that out. Check us out on YouTube, Fans First SN, Fans First Sports Network. Search it. You'll find us. If you want our Steelers coverage, go to Steel Curtain Network. We are everywhere, where there's social media and all that stuff. Just search Steel Curtain Network or Steelers. You'll find us. If you want to follow me on Twitter at jhartman, H-A-R-T-M-A-N underscore P-I-T. Coach, another great episode. We'll talk next week. Take it easy.